Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Bushers Breakaways brought... for the Church of Kako. Look at all these cock worshippers coming on into the Church of Kako. Last week, aisles empty. This week, aisles full. But we have room for all of you here at the Church of Kako. This week, we were big in Finland. Churchofkako.com trended. Everyone praised the Lord. Everyone praised Kapo Kako on all the social media. So many great members. Over 800 members of Churchofkako.com where you can go today. Purchase a stained glass t-shirt. Purchase a snapback hack for your family members. Worship your lord. Go to the prayer box. Capo Caco believes in you. And he is a New York Ranger. And you celebrated on Friday night as he donned the sweater for the first time. He donned the sweater. And you loved it as he put it on. Don't, don't look at me like you loved it. You loved it. Caco was proud of you. And I want to thank our bishops. Bishop Bob Kawa for designing the website. Bishop Nick DiPaolo for doing all the great merch. And of course, Bishop Gregory Kaplan for ranting and doubting. And how could I forget, guest on the podcast today, Bishop Drew Way, who is a prospect expert. Here at the Church of Kako, we will be doing sermons every single week for the Church of Kako, churchofkako.com, to support our Lord and Savior. Can I get a Kako? Can I get a praise me? Can I get a Capo Caco, Lord and Savior? And I want to just congratulate at young underscore breezy 91 for winning our stained glass t-shirt giveaway, which we may do another one on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter at O'Ryan and Gregory at Blue Shirts Break. Let us get to the show. Capo Caco, Capo Caco, praise me. He is Lord. Bushwick Breakaway fans, welcome to another week of the Bushwick Breakaway. If it's your first time here, this is a Rangers podcast where we don't really talk about the Rangers. This is my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, say hello. <coughs> really rude. We probably have like a lot of new listeners this week. Last week, not to brag or anything, our biggest episode. Why would that be? I can't even imagine. But you just going and burping in our new friends' faces. How rude. Kaka would look down. Yeah, upon what can that. I say, guys? I just—it's finished for "I love you." That I, I believe I have the pronunciation down pat. Is "I'm big in Finland" the best pickup line I've ever had? 
<laughs> the uh, I was as people know because we weren't trying to fuck with anyone and we didn't secretly have a draft party of two. We did not. I was in fact at a bachelor party this weekend, and um, my some of our mutual friends, one of which is our, our buddy Aaron, who I now live with, he would just go up to people that didn't quite know me yet and he'd be like, ah, th- th- this fucking guy. He thinks he's a big fucking deal because of Finland. Huge Finland. And then he'd have to tell the story. And I'd be like, uh, by the way, I am a big fucking deal. That's my life now. Finland. You're welcome. It's true. Same. Absolutely. As, as the Capote myself, I got to say I'm a big deal in Finland. I, I used it to get a date on Tinder. Very weird. Uh, I do want to tell a story about what happened at the wedding that I think you'll find enjoyable. But I want to save that because I want to do some Ranger talk first and some Church of Kako talk. Did you ever expect it to get as crazy as it has been for the Church of Kako? Because I got to be honest. All you clergy members out there, all you cock worshippers sitting at home listening to this right now, it's been insane. The support has been unwavering. The amount of praise be I see on every single capo caco anything is unbelievable. I, my coworker sent a text to his friend who's a Ranger fan and said, have you seen this? And he responded with, yeah, I bought the stained glass shirt five minutes ago. Like, what is happening? Praise be oh, to everybody. Me. I still need to buy the snapback today. That's true. Um... <clears throat> There you go. Ryan, if there's oh, I'm dying. Welcome back, Greg. Good long weekend. <laughs> it was a it was a hard weekend. Great A podcasting from uh for all our new listeners. Thank you so much for being here. Ryan, if if, if you know me well enough to know this. I do, and I talk I think to you every week. A large majority of our listeners know me well enough to know this now, too. There is nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing, I enjoy less than giving you credit where credit is due. <laughs> I bow, I bow. It, it's uh it's a miserable exercise for me to go through. Mm-hmm. It's maybe my worst nightmare. Um, wow. So really did, I expect, did I did I expect the website to go as well as it's gone the first week? No. No. I, I gotta tell you, Ryan, <laughs> I keep my expectations with you insanely low. It's probably a good idea. Uh, it's probably a good idea. But the fact that the fact that it's blown up. As much as it has, uh, the fact that I don't think we've seen it, like we haven't seen the summit of this mountain yet, no, which is insane. I feel like we hit our peak, but we're going to be back. Like, you know, like things are really, when, once the season gets going, we're, people are going to be going to the garden in full religious garb, and it's going to be quite amazing. I think we're yeah, we, uh, the, we, we've teased this before, and I've mentioned to some of you guys who have asked me personally. Uh, we we're reworking some of our Patreon goals. We are, and I to, will I will say that you want me to announce it. Uh, yeah. Well, I I wasn't gonna. I was just gonna say. I'll announce it if you want. Uh, yeah. All right. Then then just I would just announce it. I, I won't even try to tease it any further. One of our goals is going to be we and we will announce them fully on the Twitter when it happens. But one of the goals for our Patreon is I will be doing a mass outside of MSG opening night. Oh, you're putting a timeline on it. I thought you. I, I thought you'd just do it. Nope. First night of Kako, full mass, outside on the side where there's the chairs. I will be in my Pope costume and I will be holding prayer. Dear God. <laughs> well, yeah. So uh, that's happening. See, I like uh, to surprise Greg with more ideas I have on the show. So there you go. Um, we have a big. Well, I knew. I I didn't know it was going to be opening night. I knew you wanted to do it. I, I think opening no night idea. is like the perfect night to do it because a lot of people make the pilgrimage to the games, etc. It's Kako's first game. It's going to be really exciting. So I see what you did there with pilgrimage. Yeah, you like that, right? 
Uh, I, I, I wouldn't say I liked it. I respect it. Though. Okay, thank you. Uh, all right. We have a big show today. We have our good friend Drew Way on to talk prospects. You get to know all about the second-round draft picks that are not Capococco and the third round, etc. Picks that will be uh, made, and he'll give your scouting report. Drew is a the bishop of prospect of analytics and every other thing that's amazing about math. I just made that title up for Drew. And then also we have our good friend Murat Atash. Who will be coming on? Who's Murat's been on the podcast a lot lately, right? Like Murat is constantly coming on to talk about this. But we traded Neil Piag, in case you were wondering, and a first-round pick for Jacob Truva, and he'll be coming on to give his reaction. And uh, spoiler alert: we haven't recorded yet, but I can't imagine it's good. I just I love that the first the first couple times we brought Murat on, it was kind of me trying to be like, so hey, how are the Rangers going to be able to get Jacob Truva one of these days? when really we had other things to talk to him about, it would always just go back to Truba. So it seems poetic in a way that we finally get to bring uh, Murat on to actually talk about the Truba trade. Oh, and truly it's, it's something, it's something we've been waiting for. You had, that's, is that your best call of all time in any sports ever? It has to be like, you literally willed that to happen. We were shocked on the podcast last week where we had a loss for words. Uh, We've gathered our thoughts now and I'm very excited. And the trade is still, as insane as you thought it was when it happened. There's my thoughts haven't changed much. I just have more to say about it. Well, actually, actually I don't, it's insane. They did that. And I don't know how they let that happen. And ev- apparently I'm not the only one that thought that because the entire internet exploded. Yeah. I, I had at least one moment this weekend. It's felt like Kako has been a ranger for a couple months because I've just been talking myself into it ever since the Rangers won the lottery. Gotta be honest, but, the moment before Jack Hughes was announced, there was like a slight heartbeat with me where I was like, God damn it, if he doesn't get picked, I'm fucked. I'm so screwed. <laughs> I'm going to take not, shit not, forever. Not going not gonna to lie, I missed the Jack Hughes draft pick entirely. So okay. I turned the TV on already knowing that Jack Hughes went and I didn't have to worry about anything. Okay, I was a little um, nervous. I, I, I'm bummed. There's still a part of me. I mean, there are a couple parts of me that's bummed that the Rangers didn't get Hughes because, uh, look, I might be a I might be a bishop in the Church of Kako and all Branton. that good shit. That's correct. Uh, the cock. Not the end of the world if the New York Rangers were to end up with the best player available in the 2019 NHL draft. Wouldn't As wouldn't have Pope, necessarily I disagree. Kept me up my that Lord night. and Savior is here to save me and me only and all my clergy. Thank you. That, that that's fine. Again, I guess every. Every church needs its doubter, right? Because it 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 makes the are you looking to change your name to Bishop more... of Doubting? <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I, I'm not saying anything. All I'm saying is, uh, it, is it's felt like Kako's been a ranger for a very long time. Whereas there were at least two moments this weekend where I would I would just be doing literally anything else, and I'd just go, "Oh, holy shit! Jacob Trouba is a New York Ranger." Unbelievable. And we're going to have a lot to talk about with him this summer. But I kind of want to talk about some rumors currently. Some things floating around okay. and some things that didn't happen, right? Sure. Because there were a lot of things that didn't happen this weekend, if you're a Rangers fan, that you were kind of preparing yourself for. Chris Kreider being traded at the, before the draft did not happen. Didn't happen. Did not happen. Did not happen. Anyone being bought out so far did not happen. Nope. Pavel Buchnevich getting traded did not happen. Rick Carpinello teased it a little bit today on Twitters. But we'll see. Saw that. Uh, did not happen yet. The Rangers made no moves other than making the draft picks. Are you surprised by this in any single way, Gregory? No. The, I, I feel like I feel like last year prepared me for this a lot better than I was. You and I were guns blazing 
with our draft day trade scenarios heading into the last year's draft. And outside of trading up to get Keandre Keandre Miller. Miller, the Rangers, they did nothing. So this, this year, all the hype was there are going to be a lot of trades going into the draft. Uh, the Rangers were dangling VC to everybody. The Oilers were dangling Puyarvi. Namesnikov might be on the block. Buchnevich, the Rangers are trying to figure out his long-term future. Everyone kind of set draft day for the on Friday as the unofficial Chris Kreider trade deadline, which didn't really make any sense for me at all. I don't know why the Rangers would ever hamstring themselves into saying, we need to trade this guy before the free agent market can even establish itself. Chris Kreider is maybe the best plan B available for teams that don't get Artemi Panarin. Uh, so I don't know why you would... No team is going to eliminate themselves from the free agent sweepstakes before the free agent sweepstakes start, basically. So, And then you add in the fact that, that there wasn't even a salary cap until Saturday. So no one even knew how unbelievable what. was that? Seriously, like is that like one of the most unprofessional things you've ever heard? Like if you went to Shocking, a job, no, shock, shockingly though, as crazy as it sounds, this happens every year. I, I forgot who it was, but it's within within the fir- four days to the draft or three days after the draft is when the salary cap is set, and it's it's been that way every year for something like the last seven years. So it wasn't totally shocking. It just opens your eyes once again at just how poorly the NHL is run from top to bottom. It's just because it, it, you, you have to know these things with your pl- like You're supposed to have a plan. And if you don't know how much you're working with, how are you supposed to have a plan? It doesn't make any I, sense. I, I don't know why the NHL needs so much time after the Stanley Cup to establish a salary cap. Sure, it is not as easy as setting a number Right. I we're not we're not naive enough to think that Gary Bettman just pulls numbers out of a hat. But as the Stanley Cup playoffs are going on, I don't know how this conversation isn't being had where you're not in a position once the Stanley Cup is over that within three days you have a salary cap. So the fact that there wasn't a when you look it at it just all feels the like terrible Rangers, foresight. It's it's awful. But when you look at all the players the Rangers were dangling, the only players to really get traded during draft weekend, P.K. Subban, who went to a team, the Devils, who had more cap space than they knew what to do with, and the Predators were apparently so desperate to get out from that entire $9 million a year salary that they weren't concerned whatsoever with the return because they didn't get a return. So Subban gets traded in a basic basic salary dump. Um, uh, this yep, is bad this, podcasting, yep, Greg. What are yep. you doing? I was Patrick Marlowe. I, th- I thought you were going somewhere. <laughs> Patrick Patrick Marlowe, a legit salary dump. Such a salary dump that the Maple Leafs had to attach a first round pick to the trade in order to get the Hurricanes to buy him out. And then the only other trade out of that was I don't know what black magic exists in Tampa Bay. It it doesn't it is make something. a whole lot of sense to me how not only did Tampa Bay convince Vancouver to take on JT Miller's full salary over the next five years. The next part you're about but to they say also is literally the unbelievable. to give them a first round pick. How on earth did you do that for JT Miller? Now, JT Miller's a nice player. If you remember, Greg, and you will, because you yep. speak to me every Monday, on this I podcast, do. 
we talked about how rare it was for people to get first-round picks during the trade deadline. Who got it this yep. year? Hayes. Okay? Yep. And? Uh, the Ducks got one of the – the Sabres had three, and the Sabres traded one for Brandon Montour, who was a young defenseman already under contract. Cool. That's really it. Like, that's pretty much it. And the fact I think that, Duchesne got one. I think Duchesne got one too. Oh, that's fair. Sorry, I forgot about Duchesne. But it's those are high caliber players or really valuable. JT Miller is not like a world shaker. You would you would classify JT Miller as what you like to call a middle six player, right? There's yeah. he's a middle six player. And he's 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 a really at his absolute best, right? I've I've shit on JT Miller quite a bit. But if you wanted to do 100th percentile outcome for JT Miller. He is a really strong second line winger. Like he's, he's, he's maybe you're on a, on a really good Stanley cup on a Stanley cup team that should be giving up first round picks. He could be the third or fourth best winger on that team. It's not what the Vancouver Canucks are. though. Okay. And I just want to say, this is all the fault of the church or Pedersen who keeps yelling at me. Online, because they had a church first. Sorry, guys. Sometimes better churches pop up. All right? It's all your fault. Enjoy JT Miller, you losers. You cops. It, it, but it just... it. I, I think it was Rick Carpinello, our, our good dear friend. Our good dear who friend, is, who, by the way, and I don't want to reveal anything, but I texted him about the church because I've been kind of hamming him, be like, hey, you're going to write about the Church of Chicago this week? And he's like, I don't even get it. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> all right. That's fine. Uh, I tried. But either way, he made the great point of, Miller makes as much or more than Mika Zibanejad is as old or older than Mika Zibanejad and is never going to be as important to a potential playoff team as Mika Zibanejad. And yet the Tampa Bay Lightning, a team who, by the way, was in salary cap fucking hell. Is now out of and it. And then they were out of it – I'm not here to celebrate any injury. I am it's a not bummer e- that Ryan Callahan. All right. It uh, is an absolute you know bummer that uh, Ryan Callahan but, cannot play hockey. But I'm going to say it, Greg, if you're not going to do it. Okay. It's a little suspicious. It's always oh, it's very suspicious. It's not just a like Ryan Callahan. Thank you so much for your service as a Ranger. I, I loved you when you were here. I loved your grit. I loved you as a personality. It's sad that you, you have that what's happening to your back currently. This is ridiculously suspicious like to an amount where i'm like can we have an investigation please like yeah maybe he has that but really is that what's going on here so now they're gonna get out with from out with it under his contract ryan callahan and also they traded jt miller and got a pick back how is that possible i just don't fucking get it sorry i'm cursing it's still it's still more suspicious to me that they somehow swindled vancouver into giving up a first round pick and we saw yeah, who's got the p-tape of how who's got it <laughs> Well, we saw reports that Peter Chiarelli is thinking about a role in the Vancouver oh. Canucks front office. He has a role. He has to be there. <laughs> I don't. I I know Jim Benning isn't exactly the fucking brightest man in the room. A guy who signed Antoine Rossell and Jay Beagle to long term deals. At the same time, you shouldn't have. You shouldn't be the one giving up a first round pick in order to get the Tampa Bay Lightning out of salary cap hell. That's not how this shit's supposed to work. And as much praise and as many cartwheels as we did about Jeff Gordon getting uh, Jacob Tuber for such a low price, I'm convinced that there are exactly five smart GMs in the NHL 
and they all just take terms robbing the other 26 GMs of whatever the fuck. The good want. news is that Gordon might end up being one of the good ones. He's on the lower end. Oh, no, he, I think I think he is. I think it, I think it's point proven that Gordon is. Yes, Gordon, Gordon isn't an A plus student, but that guy knows that on his worst day, he's a B plus student. If he doesn't want to try, he's a B plus student. If he wants to try, that dude is straight A's. Unbelievable. It really is like a moment of like, how? What? And I know like back to PK Subban for a second, who's going to be an absolute, he's going to be a legend in New Jersey. Like he's going to be so fucking marketable in Newark. It's going to be unbelievable. I'm just, I'm kind of jealous, but his play did drop last year. But how much? The Devils were itching for a defenseman. And to be able to get P.K. Subban for pretty much giving up nothing and pretty much eating his salary. Imagine if I told you like two years ago, like, okay, you can have P.K. Subban. You just got to eat his salary. What would you say? Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. It's the dumbest question. Yeah, of course I want that guy. And he's going to kill it here. I, and the, the rivalry between the Devils and the Rangers is kicking up quick. Like, yeah, it is It is funny how quickly the Islanders have fallen off the cliff yet again. <laughs> what, what happened? They and have, it's not even – this time it's not even their fault, right? No, they not. put together one of the most improbable and successful seasons in franchise history. They should, theoretically, at the end of the year, be the team with the most momentum going forward. And then the Devils win the lottery. The Rangers win the, the, the next lottery. The, the Rangers trade for Truba and give up nothing. The Devils trade for Subban and give up nothing. It's and, and they're trying to resign their goalie and Lee, and while while also uh, trying to get a meeting with Panarin. So, yeah, it's it's got to be tough to be the Islanders because you you couldn't be more third fiddle once again in New York if you tried. It's unbelievable. Let's try talking about Panarin for a second. There's a lot of rumors currently, and if uh, obviously, guys, if Panarin signs, we'll be doing an emergency podcast somehow. I don't really care what I'm doing. We'll figure it out. That'll happen. With that said, supposedly the rumors are the are these four teams, or five rather. It's Florida, New York Rangers, New York Islanders, Chicago. Is that it? I think that's it. Four teams. No, you took a meeting with Colorado. Oh, Colorado. Too. Colorado. That's a scary team. Uh, but I, I don't think Colorado will be the place he goes. No information there. And I, I think the Islanders are also out. I still feel like it's between uh, the Blackhawks, the Rangers, and Florida. And I know you've done a big rant about Sunrise Florida this week on Twitter. And you got some hate. Yeah, you so got some fucking shitty. You got some hate back. I understand. I just, who, who the fuck? Who brags about living in Fort Lauderdale? Like, why is that something I should be jealous of? Oh yeah, no, dude. You're you're sunrise. It's so close to Fort Lauderdale. You're you're giving us a bad picture. Who gives a fuck? What's in Fort Lauderdale that for a second I should be like, oh, you know what? I didn't think about Fort Lauderdale. That's like, dude. That's like living in Connecticut and being like, I don't know, man. New Canaan. New Canaan's pretty fucking nice. <laughs> I don't know. Why, I don't know why New Canaan tickles me. Canaan? Yeah. No. Oh wow. Yeah, it's it's just like, what? Who gives a it, Fort fucking Lauderdale? Like I give a fuck. All right. I my rant about Florida stays. At the same time, it it there there are factors in here that we do need to consider that go beyond the fact well, that let's, Florida let's, is fucking. Let's break shit down a uh, uh, psychology wise or psychological. Well, now, hold on. Before we even get oh. to the psychology, there's there's just straight up accounting that we well, have the, to the do. The finance here. reasons. I saw, you saw the hockey stat miner tweet about uh, how the Rangers could pay him more the first years than Florida could, right? Right, and the fact that Florida is prioritizing both Panarin and Bobrovsky and trying to do so with less than twenty two million dollars in cap space. Good luck. I don't know how you're going to get 
both those guys with I, they're trying to change trade their backup goalie. They've been unable to to this point in time. And from all reports, I heard that they're going to have to retain salary on Reimer if they want to move them. So they got they have to clear cap space just to get into the conversation to be able to afford both. And then again, hockey stat miner, first one out there. Just all the Rangers have to do is be like, bro, you want $30 million up front in signing bonuses? Because we can do that. Yeah. The New York Rangers. You get the money right away. It's all yours. You have to wait for nothing. That's a good, it's a really good point by by Mr. Miko over there. And I hope that's the case. But, but also, also, the thing I always go back to is just like, I, I get that we're, it's to a normal human being like you and I, even $1 well, million very generous. is just. It's stupid money, yeah, right? It's a lot of money. It's money I wouldn't know what to do with. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I feel like when we're talking about, well, he'd only get eight point five of eleven million dollars if he lived in New York, whereas if he was in Florida, he'd get all ten point five. When you already have eight point five million dollars, does that last two million dollars really fucking matter? Like yes. you already got eight point five. Yes, but also no at the same time. Like who am I to say like no? It doesn't matter, but it does. It like, does. But I'm just, what can't you afford on an $8.5 million true salary that you could now afford on a $10 Dude, million Dude, that second yacht is really important. You ever think about that? <laughs> you ever think about that second yacht? Your first I, one wasn't no, good enough? You got to double fist that yacht. That's it. It's a big, <laughs> upkeep is a big lifestyle change. Yeah, it's but that that's, that's where in my head it always goes to. It's just like, when when any team loses a player because they didn't offer another three to four million dollars, it's just like, what does that three to four million dollars matter? Like, what? How, how many strippers can that three to four million dollars really make the difference? Would, of course, for? your mind would go there. Um, I only I do all my accounting in terms of strippers. This, you know, I do my rent in the the way I calculate my rent is all right. How many lap dances is this per month? So here's why we're gonna do the rest of this podcast. Stick with me. We already have to go to our interview with our friend Drew Way. So we're going to do our interview with Drew Way and Murat Atesh. And then we're going to come back and do a little bit more. That's how good this podcast is going to be. It's going to be super long. We still got to come back and do a little. I got to tell the wedding story. And we got to do the five-star questions. Really important. Got to get those in. So we're going to do those at the end. But for right now, we're going to transition to our good friend and prospect expert, Bishop of the Church of Chicago, Drew Way. Sermon transition. I know, I know. You want to get to Drew Way and what he thought of the draft. And also, Murat Atesh. And what he thinks about the Truba trade and how much he loves Neil Pionk. But first, churchofcaco.com. You need to go. Do you know why you need to go? Because Kako told him, told me himself. He reached out to me. He touched me in my in a certain way. He said, you must get the cock worshippers to go to churchofcaco.com to support me, to leave prayers, to check out the stained glass merch, the snapback hats, and the other accessories available for you today at churchofcaco.com. Please. Go check that out now. And let's transition into our two interviews before we're coming back. Churchofcaco.com. Praise be, praise be, praise be. Back with the Bishop of Prospects and Analytics of the Church of Caco, Drew Way. Drew, say hello. Hello, everybody. I thought I was going to be Archbishop. It's just Bishop. Whoa, now. you got Arch? I got demoted. You added the Arch? <laughs> okay. All right, no, listen. I said Archbishop to begin with, and you said yeah, and all of a sudden I see it pops up on the site. It's Bishop. I was like, huh, I got demoted already. I thought, hold on, because I, I, listen, as the Pope, I have the power. <laughs> I will promote, I will promote you, Greg, Bob, and Nick to Archbishops of your titles. You're welcome. I tell you what, let's see, let's, let's see how this podcast goes first. Okay. And if you want to promote, you, be fine. We'll decide. Okay. <laughs> 
I do. Uh, I do think part of it is us not realizing that Archbishop is more important than Bishop. You know what? I could be completely wrong. I'm. A I have no. I got. Catholic. I, look, look, look. Do not, do not take the Jew asking a question about <laughs> which is more oh, important, I, and then being like, well, "Oh yeah, no, you're right." No, I'm just legitimately I'm just saying, asking. I, I'm just saying you might be. I mean, I, I'm a confirmed Catholic, but literally the only time I've been to church in the last five years is my son's baptism. So, shout out to Declan. <laughs> um. I will both. I will make you both golden archbishops. Shout out to McDonald's for sponsoring this podcast. Um, let's move on to actual prospects of who has been drafted yeah. by the New York Rangers. I've read some things. I read some tweets. I read some articles. Yeah. Supposedly, uh-huh. I've been told on the internet that the Rangers did very well. Is this true, Drew A? Yeah, yeah. I was pretty pleased. I mean, Greg was trying to get me going earlier today with the whole they passed on Dorfiev three times. Thing, well, okay, but, let's get this out of the um, way. I'm what happened with Dorfiev? What was the deal? Yeah, so uh, from what I read, I mean, again, I don't have sources. I'm not talking to these teams don't directly. Lie. But from what, yeah, from what I've read from a couple people, um, apparently there was a huge disconnect with how the public feels about him and how the teams felt about him. Um, you know, you got the whole – He's playing in the um, the MHL, which is like the you know the minor league in Russia, but then got promoted to the KHL. Um, but he wasn't on the World Junior teams, and there are some teams where, like if you're not on those World Junior teams, they like they just don't have the scouting capacity to really dig into the MHL and know you. It's incredible that in today's day and age, that's still a thing, but it is. Um, and then a lot of teams also do this thing where they're just like too trusting of other teams. Like, well, if the Russian national program didn't think you were good enough to make the team, then like you're obviously not good enough, which is stupid. I mean, we all know we've seen the way some of the U.S. teams have been built recently. It's been laughable. And so just to assume these people are doing the right job is uh, poor. But I don't think he was, you know, I don't, I don't know if he was invited to the combine, but if he wasn't invited to the combine, that may have hurt him a bit. So there's all sorts of factors. But I mean, and it's, one thing about Dorfiev is, is, is like it's not even just like an analytics thing. Like it's like Steve Cordianos, like he's a pretty, you know, I, I mean, he does use numbers, but he's a ardent, you know, eye test guy too. And he had Dorfiev ninth, so it's not even like he was just like bloggers like me who loved him. Like there are a lot of like traditional old school scout or older school scouts like that ninth like ninth overall. Lot, you know. Yeah, yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> That's I mean, crazy. I had Dorfiev. I had Dorfiev thirteenth overall. All right, well, let's talk about the players the Rangers did get. First up yeah. on that list is second-round pick Matthew Robertson. Really hard name to pronounce. Yeah. Number 49. Yeah. Uh, he's a very big defenseman, according to this article I'm reading on a website that used to sponsor us. Yeah, he's, T- tell me more he's about He's a big him. boy. Well, I, just real quick, before I get into the guys we picked, mm-hmm. the one thing I do want to say with the whole, like, Dorfia thing is I, I think this is a good example of why you can – like you can't just be like outraged just because the team didn't pick your guy, right? I mean, I think uh, no one has planted their flag and the Pavel Dorofiev is a really good prospect harder than I did. And I was still perfectly happy with the picks they made because they still made good picks, you know? So I just wanted to throw that out there at least. Like don't be that guy who's just flipping out only because they didn't pick your guy. Yeah, like when you don't get Ty Smith and he's a devil, you know, don't freak out about it. I hate you so much sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, Drew, Drew, you're gonna hate it even more when Ty Smith is playing next to PK Subban next year. So you you got nothing to worry about. Uh, before before we even get into the individual picks, though, there's one yeah. more there's one more larger point question I want to ask. Yeah, because sure. it wasn't just Dorofeyev falling, right? Kaliev fell into the second round. A yeah. lot of guys that we or you specifically had high grades on. Uh, 
just kept falling and falling and falling. What at at what point did you find, or did you find yourself getting any kind of frustrated that it, the Rangers weren't making a harder effort at trading up to get some of this falling talent? Um, you know what? It's hard. I try not to do that because I, you know, I don't know what the conversations are being had. Like for all I know, they were working the phones trying to move up, and they just. Uh, couldn't find a deal you know like I, i'm very aware of the fact that, like i'm not an insider and i don't know what they were and weren't doing um i I've, i saw a couple reports about that like they did in fact try very hard multiple times to make certain moves um and it just couldn't pan out um so but that said like yeah sometimes it is frustrating when you see a guy who's super talented you know sitting there at a way too low spot and you're like hey man i would do anything right now for the Rangers to be able to get up there to nab this guy, but but like I said, I, I'm I'm happy with how the Rangers did, regardless of that. Um, you know, like I said, we're going to be George, uh, Rich, and I, and uh, Sean also is going to be joining. We're going to be doing like a roundtable to recap the draft. First question is going to be, hey, what's the grade? And I'm probably going to give the Rangers an A minus for their draft. That's a, a gr- I hate I hate the grading system, but that's a great grade. And it makes me feel safe and happy. Yeah, it's you know I mean obviously day one A plus Capococco <laughs> you know you can you can't wow great can't job go wrong there great job pick, yeah, the, right. pick the Lord and Savior uh, of your franchise cool yeah exactly and you know day two I'd probably give them you know a solid B B plus you know they got made some good picks left some talent on the board pick one guy one or two guys that I've hardly ever heard of but hey <laughs> that's what happens all right let's 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 run them down Matthew Robertson hit me. Yeah, he's a good player. He's kind of like your modern-day defensive defenseman, but he actually has the tools to be more of a two-way player. Um, you know, the, the, the book on him is that he's a big, mobile defenseman. Um, I heard someone the other day describe him as like a bigger Anton Strawman, and while I'm not sure that's exactly the right comp, I, I understood where they're coming from because he's very smooth skating. He's, a, he's quite a good skater for someone who I think he's 6'3", 6'4". Um, he's strong as a bull, um, but he's an excellent passer and he's excellent in transition. So that's sort of what I mean by like that modern day defenseman. Um, he's great at, you know, you know, like I said, he's a defensive defenseman. He's great in his own zone, but he can take the puck and move it up the ice himself. He's really good at skating it up in transition on his own. And then he's an adept passer. Once he gets into the zone, he can actually do something with the puck. Where there are some defensemen in this class that I think are overrated, like Broberg, for example, who went eighth. Broberg is, you know, as good as anyone I've ever seen at this level at moving the puck up the ice. But once he gets into the offensive zone, half the time he doesn't know what the fuck to do with the puck. Whereas Robertson actually is a really good passer once he gets the puck into the zone. Um, so, you know, I had Robertson 42nd overall, and admittedly, when I ranked him there, I felt that was a little low. And so the fact that we got him at 49, like, there, there were other talents on the board I would have preferred. Like, Nick Robertson, I had at 20th overall, was still sitting there. But, yeah, I can't complain that at 49, we got a guy who I ranked 42nd in the field, has an extremely high floor, and also a decent ceiling. Seems like... Where... Uh, 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 where where exactly – I feel like this is an important practice too when we're talking about how to evaluate Ranger first-round picks outside of the first round. Where does Robertson immediately slot into the Rangers' prospect hierarchy? Like who, who does he jump ahead of? Who is he right behind? Like yeah, what, what realm should we be looking him in? Um, so you're saying like when I'm talking – like if I'm ranking all the Rangers' prospects, where would I slot Matthew Robertson in? Yes, I mean, admittedly, this is something I'm going to be doing a ton of work into. Um, you know, George, Rich, and, and Sean and I, we're all going to be doing a bunch of Rangers prospect stuff in the upcoming months. 
uh, off the top of my head, I mean, I'd probably slot him on a tier with Rykov and Hayek. Um, I don't think he's there with, you know, for me, it's you got Fox, Keandre Miller, and Nils Lundqvist on the top tier of a defensive prospect. You can honestly argue any ordering of those three, depending on how you weigh, you know, uh, most likely outcome with floor with ceiling. Uh, and then in the next tier, I think, you know, Robertson would slot in with a Rykov and a Hayek. It's not a bad pick then, no, not 49th bad. overall. No, I, for, from what I read, he's just like pretty much almost a guaranteed NHL defenseman. And if you could pick one of those yeah, and pick he, 49, that's a great value. Yeah, I, I'd be stunned if he didn't become like an NHL regular. And I think his most likely outcome, honestly, is like a, a second pair defenseman who really helps you on the penalty kill. That's a good thing to have. Let's move on to Carl Hendrickson. Hey, hey, Hendrickson? Henriksen, yeah. Henriksen. Son of Henrik. Reading. Nice job. Uh, tell me what I should know about Carl. Fun name. Yeah, he's good. Um, so we got him at 58. I had him. Hold on. I just pulled up my rankings here. I had Henriksen at. Says here he's taller than 60, both, 60. both podcast hosts at 5'9. That's pretty good. <laughs> hey, I'm 6'1, so he's way shorter than me. Okay. But, um, it's not, it's he, not short. It's not short. <laughs> No, but Henriksen, yeah, I mean, I had him 60th overall on my tier seven, which went, admittedly goes from pick 51 to like 75 about, but um, that he's a, a really, really good playmaker. He's a pretty good skater. Like you said, he's undersized, but he's one of those players that has a motor that never stops. For someone who's 5'9", 175, he actually um, has a bit of that Zuccarello gene where for a small guy, he doesn't back down to anybody. Um, but his number one skill that pops up when you watch him is he's a really he's really good with the puck on a stick and he's a fantastic playmaker. Um, you know, one concern I had early on is so he plays on a team uh, with one of the best prospects in all of the, So you know how I keep talking about how the 2020 draft yep. is loaded? Well, one of the players on that is Lucas Raymond. Uh, he, Lucas Raymond is, as of now, probably I would say like a second to fourth best prospect in next year's loaded draft. He was in this year's draft. He would have been in the argument probably with Hughes and Kako on that top tier. He's on, So Lucas Raymond was on the same line as Carl Henriksen. Um, so there was some concern that maybe a lot of Henriksen's production was like kind of falsely inflated by playing with such a crazy good prospect as Raymond. But um, a guy, Evan Oppenheimer on Twitter, who's a big Ranger fan, he does a lot of um, work that uh, – it's a stat called between this. But he, he does a lot of statistical analysis to try to determine, you know, are certain guys – really relying on certain line mates to drive their production. And what he found out is like, no, actually that wasn't the case at all. And, you know, uh, Raymond didn't really have that great of an impact in terms of Henriksen's production. Um, and so seeing that, like, I mean, when I had Henriksen around 59th or 60th, this is like before I even knew that. If I were knowing this now, I probably would have bumped him up closer to 50th um, because he really is a really, I mean, he's a pretty dynamic player. Like I said, he's an excellent playmaker. Um, pretty good in his own zone, good in transition. He will, I think he's got all the tools to be a good two-way center. And I, I'm really high, high on guys that I think can play a complete game. My, my only concern was uh, the impact Raymond had on him. And apparently it's not that big of a deal. Well, all right. The, the thing I like about him mostly is that pretty much every... <laughs> I like how you have no idea how to respond to any of this. Like, okay, I, cool, I don't know because the prospects, like, I don't really understand. I like to know... The reason I bring you on is because I get educated by you. Then I go, hmm, which is not a good response. Like, I, I start thinking about the, the prospect of what he could be looking like in a Ranger jersey, and I sit here in my dumb head and think about it. 
But the thing I like most about Carl, Carl at least, is it's it mostly it says his brain is where his, his number one power is. And if I know anything about drafting for brain and uh, skills of sort of getting it, I've seen the Patriots win a lot of Super Bowls, and they've kind of only done that, right? So I, yeah, I, and honestly, from what I from what I've seen and from what some guys, you know, a lot smarter than me have said is, you know, if you're ranking all like the tools of prospects and what's the easiest to develop, you know, um, you know, from 18 to 25 and what's the most difficult kind of like hockey sense, hockey IQ, you know, their acumen for the game tends to be the thing that people struggle the most to improve upon sort of once they start to grow up. Um, And so when you have a guy that just gets it, that like when you watch him play, like they're always in the right position, they're always making the right play, they're patient, they're not rushing things, not forcing things like that's perhaps the hardest thing for them to learn. And and that's arguably Henriksen's greatest strength. Um, You know, and and obviously he's not going to grow that much. Like, you know, his other concern is he's a 5'9 center. Really not too much you can do about that. Still waiting to break 5'9 myself. I get it. Working on it. But like, but you know, there are other things like when people talk about, oh, someone's shot's not that good, or skating, all that stuff you can, that you can continue to develop, you know, uh, at this age. All right, last guy. I Sorry, wanna... I gotta, oh. I gotta, I gotta interject because uh, a trade has happened. Uh, it does not involve the New York Rangers, but it is. It, it it's just another bad trade, and it, it it's annoying uh, me. Did it involve uh, the Flyers? No, it involves the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, the Blackhawks uh, have acquired happened. defenseman Calvin DeHaan and former Ranger great Alexi Sorella from the Carolina Hurricanes in exchange for goalie Anton Forsberg and defenseman Gustav Forsling. That's the entire trade. The Blackhawks got two good pieces, and they gave up nothing to get them. Wow. So it seems like Carolina's moving salary, and so then the question would be why? I don't. I, they have more cal- salary space than they're going to use. That's the whole reason they – acquired Marlowe. So I, I legit don't know. I, they have to be high on Forsberg, this go, This right? goes back to your point of uh, good GMs just picking on bad GMs. Like that's exactly yeah, what it, 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 the, the Carolina best... doesn't have a bad GM now. Yeah, that's, that's the true. thing that really confused. They've done a lot of smart things. I mean, the, the Nieder rider for Rask trade is amazing. The they getting Marlowe for, for at the right of a first round pick is amazing. But this is yeah. a trade where the two best players in the trade are both going to Chicago, and it's not close. Hmm. All right, I want to just get I'm back. Sorry, I'm That's sorry okay. that I interrupted our draft talk. That's totally just, fine. I, I, that shit bothers me. I just want to get back. One last player I want to talk about, and then we can, I want to ask you a question that I asked you on uh, at Twitter a couple weeks ago, uh, which is Zachary Jones, who's another defenseman. The Rangers went pretty heavy on defense in this draft. They also took Hunter Skinner after this. I don't know if we need to talk about him or not. Uh, but Zachary Jones, uh, what, is, what is his sort of deal? Well, Fred, I would say we, there are a couple other prospects I'd like to at least quickly touch on, especially Levi Altonen. But uh, Zach, I, I was I was going to ask you about him, so you can yeah, talk about Jones, and then I'll ask about Altonen. Zachary Jones is a highly, highly skilled offensive defenseman playing in the USHL. Um, I believe he was uh, he he point production wise, he killed it. He was like you know, among the leaders. I think he was like top among the top defensemen in the, all of the USHL in terms of point production. Um, really good player, but he does admittedly struggle in his own zone. Um, and he's not the biggest guy in the world. Um, but again, if he can put on some strength and, you know, learn better gap control and stuff like that, cause he's a really good skater. And the issue that I've seen with him when I watched him a few times, um, cause he plays for Tri-City, which is one of the more prominent, um, USHL teams is he sometimes relies on the skating too much. So remember with, 
I'm not, to be clear, I'm not comparing him to Neil Pionk. But remember when you watch Neil Pionk play defense, sometimes he's just chasing the play too much, and you kind of get some bozos that don't know what they're talking about, that see that he's just always skating and working, and they thought that was good defense. That, that was kind of Zachary Jones's problem a little bit in the own zone, where he was trying to rely on his skating too much instead of just relying on gap control and smart positioning. But again, this is something with a good coach and a good system, you know, you can learn, no problem. Um, but as far as his ability and his talent with the puck on the stick and his passing ability and his vision, like, he's phenomenal. And if he was a bit bigger and a little bit better in his own zone, he easily would have been considered, you know, a top 50, if not higher prospect. So this was another, like, home run swing on talent, which – Again, when you're picking this range, I'm completely fine with swinging for the fences. I'm a talented kid. And then dive dive into Altonin because I saw a lot of people get excited about that pick, especially at that point in the draft. Yeah, I mean, well, first, uh, Hunter Skinner, um, we picked him fourth round. Literally, the only reason I know he exists is because he played on the same team as Yegor Afanasyev for a little while. And so I saw him play, I think, like, one or two games earlier in the year when he was playing for Muskegon on that team. Um, and the only reason I even remembered him is because he's big and his name is Hunter Skinner. But um, <laughs> I have, I, I honestly, like, I have no, I, I have no idea what the Rangers were doing with that pick. <laughs> I mean, clearly they heavily scouted the USHL this year. So I'm hoping they just saw some stuff that I didn't, but like Corey Pronman and like other guys that like, you know, pro, guys who, whose full jobs are to study prospects like they all just had like one line on this kid. Like they didn't even know what the hell to say about him. Like that's how little known this guy is. Yeah. Uh, the, the prime in line so, is Skinner skates well for a big defender, but there's not much pop there in terms of what he does with the puck. Real hard hitting yeah, analysis I mean, like, on Hunter Skinner. And and that's more, and then I'm sure that wasn't prominent being lazy. I think that was just like, no one knows who the hell that kid is. Like, um, I don't, he was on nobody's radar, but again, I mean, whatever, with all the other picks I said, and this is the fourth round, like I'm not going to flip out because in the galaxy brain, the fourth round pick, but then to Greg's question to you, they followed up in the fifth round with Levi Altonen, who, um, you know, if you want to make a really, really lazy comparison, think of a finish Carl Haglin with better hands. Hmm. Okay. I can, um, I can think of that a lot. I like finish Carl Haglin. Yeah. I'm big at Finland. Yeah. So he's. Real small, like Haglin, and he's he's really weak now too. Like I, I saw him a couple times, and like he, he kind of like it's brushed aside, like it's nothing at times. He's and for a smaller guy, yeah. Well, and, and for a smaller guy, similar to Haglin, like he's not like an uber skilled kid, um, but he's lightning fast. Like honestly, like if you were ranking the, the top skaters in this draft class, he's probably comfortably in the top five of the entire draft class. Like if you look up his highlight reels, all of it just seemed like skating circles around people. Um, he actually has a, a pretty sneaky good wrist shot from what I've seen. I mean, he's a pass first guy and he's more of a playmaker than a shooter. But he, for a small guy, like his wrist shot has some power on it. He gets it off quickly. So there's definitely some tools there. Um, and he's a good all-around player. He's, I mean, obviously, when you can skate as quickly as he can, you're usually good in transition. But he's actually pretty good in his own zone as well, despite being, you know, really undersized. Um, and he, he's seems like a pretty smart player and he's again he's like the along the lines of Hagelin and some of these other guys I've mentioned he just never quits he's constantly going and skating and moving and working um so I mean I had him ranked so my spreadsheet that I have when I do all this stuff I this year I built it up to 150 players where I just keep all these different stats and notes and stuff like that you know I published a top 62 but I had about 150 guys ranked I had Alton in about 80th 
and we picked him what 130th, 130th so that's yes. tremendous value yeah great yeah. value and and one of the one of the smart things that good NFL front offices have have done is once you get outside the third round the good NFL front offices start drafting players who have one elite skill one skill mm-hmm. that is simply better than everything else and if they can get that one thing they'll try and coach the rest and yeah and that's skating yes and if I, I, from what I understand, skating is at least fifty percent of hockey. It's a lot of hockey. Yep, big time. Uh, hockey well, you can make up for you can make up for a lot of flaws if you're a really good skater. Is the way I would put it. Drew, the 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 last big big picture question I really have for you. Um, I wonder where you come in. I saw some. I would call it frustrations of from some Ranger fans about not necessarily that the Rangers were picking necessarily bad defensemen, but it once again, as soon as they picked Kako in what seemed like a draft where forward talent was dropping, the Rangers mm-hmm. once again picked a couple defensemen with forwards on the board. Personally, and I, I keep saying this, if Robertson and Jones, if these are the guy the Rangers had at the very top of their board, um, take them. Always take best player available. Don't give a shit what the position is. If that's the guy number one on your board, just take the number one guy on your board. Everything has a way of figuring itself out in the long run. But were you feeling any kind of frustration? Were you feeling any kind of, I guess, hesitancy that the Rangers once again, with two of their first four picks, took two defensemen? No, I mean, the Matthew Robertson pick is completely justifiable. I mean, like I said, I had higher rated guys left. I had... Nicholas Robertson, who might be one of the best combinations of passing and shooting in the entire draft, who the Maple Leafs, of course, took in like the 50s. Um, I had him higher. I had, obviously, Pavel Dorofiev ranked higher. But, you know, Matthew Robertson, like I said, I had ranked higher than the slot the Rangers picked him in. Whenever that happens, I'm going to be pretty happy. And then on top of that, I mean, there are a lot of um, draft analysts that I respect, not even just like, you know, the old farts of the world that did have Robertson ranked as a borderline first round talent. Like he, you got a guy who you could reasonably argue could have gone at the back end of the first round at 49. I understand that our D prospect pipeline is loaded, but like I, that's good value there. I'm not going to complain about it. And then also defensemen are a lot easier to trade than wingers. Defensemen have a lot more value on the trade market typically than wingers. And so like, it's not the end of the world if you have unless too many unless defensemen. You're, unless you're prospect. Jacob Truba and P.K. Subban, then you don't get shit. Oh, the P.K. thing was all a salary thing. And, and to be honest, I, I, a little bit of a hot take, I guess. Like, I don't think that was as bad for Nashville as people are making it out to be. Uh, it's, it's tough not getting a first-round pick, and it's tough it not getting a better prospect than Davies. I, I mean, mean I listen, guess... if, I'm the devil, if I'm the Devils, I make that trade all day long. But it doesn't come without risk. Like P.K. Subban at best was an average defenseman last year, and he's got three more years at $9 million salary cap hit. If I'm the Devils, I'm betting that the multiple time, right? He's got two Norris trophies, I think. I'm betting that the Norris trophy winner is going to find a way to turn it around. But defensemen fall off a cliff at 30 very often. Like if this really was a sign of things to come, that could look really bad. Um, But again, it's still a great trade for the Devils. I do that all the day long if I'm them. I'm just – I pump the brakes a little bit on people being like, this is some no-brainer grand slam for the Devils because it certainly comes with risk. 
Drew, we- I, I, I think it's I think it's a no-brainer. I, we talked about this a little bit before you yeah. came on the pod, Drew, but I'll just revisit it again. I, I do think it's a no-brainer Grand Slam because it's not like the Devils have had a lot of success trying to woo free agents. They reportedly offered more money the Rangers did than Shattenkirk, and Shattenkirk didn't want to go there. Now that's, of course, 2020 hindsight, according to some people, because it maybe the Rangers' lives would be better if they didn't give you Kirk. But at the Great same analysis, time, Greg. thank you. It's But if you're having trouble signing free agents, and if you have a very important free agent coming up in Taylor Hall, I think you have to make a trade like this for P.K. Subban to show hey. Taylor Hall, like, hey, man, we are trying. I, I agree with all that. All my point is, is like there are a lot of people out there pretending like this isn't a risky trade, and it is. It's more than worth the risk, but you're you're kidding yourself. Like, go look up PK Subban's statistics from last year. He honestly was like barely above replacement level last. No, he year. was. He, every everything <laughs> I've seen is he he's bad, and everyone's kind of banking on a recovery. But you know what else is also kind of bad? Maybe paying that nine million dollars to Matthew Shane. Maybe Matthew Shane's oh, not yeah, a $9 million player. I mean, well, if Jeff Skinner's a $9 million player, Matt Duchesne is, but I wouldn't pay either of them that. Well, let's hope we end up paying Artemi Panarin a lot more than that. Or, you know, maybe $9 million. That will never happen. That's a dream. Uh, mm-hmm. Drew, thanks so much for coming on. I wanted to ask you a couple more questions, but we got to get going to our next guest over here. So why don't you plug your stuff out? Yeah, all right. So like I said, um, well, first, obviously, thanks for having me on. Um, as always. But then as always, you can you can read my stuff on Blue Shirts Breakaway. Wow. And we will be coming out with a draft recap um, for the Rangers uh, probably on Thursday is when it will publish. So keep an eye out for that. Awesome, Drew. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. Yep, yep. Sounds good. Have a good one, guys. Here's out, Drew. Transition. Back with serious recurring guest, Murat Latesh, who's come on this podcast a lot to talk about the Jets because we've done a lot of trades with them, and today we'll be talking about Jacob Truba and how we swindled, I mean, how we made a very fair trade with the Jets. Murat, say hello. Hi, <laughs> uh, how's everybody doing? Happy, I assume. Cabo Caco Day? Yes. Oh, happy Cabo Caco Day. I, no, you're saying am I happy? Yes, things are great in Rangerstown, in case you're wondering. <laughs> uh, you know, I started, I started a church this week. It went viral. We got Jacob Truba. It's been wonderful. Things have been nice. Wow, that's mythical. Both fronts. Thank I'm you. I'm happy for you guys. <laughs> mythical is the best way to describe me. Greg, you willed uh, Jacob Truba to happen, and you forced it out of Murad every single time he's been on. So why don't you go ahead and take take the reins here? Uh, I did. Praise be. Um, praise be. Praise be. Yeah. I would, Murad, we were joking before we started recording about how every time you've come on the podcast, we've talked about things the Jets need at the trade deadline or things – the Rangers and Jets had done post trade deadline post season. Uh, and at the end of every conversation, I would be like, look, I know you're going to be in cap hell this summer. So what's it going to take to get Jacob Truba? Uh, so I'm finally just thankful that you and I can have the conversation about what it took the New York Rangers to actually get Jacob Truba. Uh, the, we'll, we'll cut the surprise and the suspense. <laughs> go I'm for it, imagining go for it. you, with all kinds of rituals over the past few months and years, like I'm, I'm imagining you saying Jacob Truba's name three times in front of, in front of a mirror. I'm imagining you tying your skates exactly the right way. I'm imagining certain <laughs> rituals and prayers at, at, at maybe the Church of Kako. I'm not exactly yeah! sure. Yeah, little plug. <laughs> little plug. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying it took us starting. Yeah, I'm not saying it took us starting a church for the Rangers to get Jacob Chuba, but I will say within 20 minutes of Ryan revealing to me that he started a church, 
the Rangers got Jacob Trouba. And, and That's cor- all I'm saying. Correlation doesn't prove causation, but I'm not ruling it out is what I'm trying to say. Uh, as an analytics-based writer, I believe that it does. So <laughs> <laughs> let, let's, let's talk about the nuts and bolts because we've talked many times, both online and on here, of what we think a Jacob Truba trade would look like. How surprised – is surprise the right word to use for you in terms of the only return it got was Neil Pionk and a 20, 20th overall pick, which was the Jets' first-round pick in the first place? Well, have we ever, even once in those conversations, estimated a return that low? Like, no. I don't think that we have. Nope. So I, I think surprised? I think once or twice we've jokingly said, do you want Neil Pionk, but weren't ever serious. Yeah, actually, I think we asked you if you wanted Mark Stoller and Neil Pionk every time you went on, and we were like, ha-ha, kidding, we wouldn't want to do that to you. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess if you put enough things out into the world, sometimes it can come true. Um, I... Look, I never thought that the Winnipeg Jets would get a Truba-esque equivalent return for Jacob Truba. That wasn't the lay of the land. Uh, He's an RFA this summer, one year away from unrestricted free agency, a long and documented history of a a contract holdout, a desire to play elsewhere than Winnipeg. And I think that my underwhelm, my surprise, and my shock sometimes gets construed as the idea that I believe that Winnipeg should get something Truba-esque. That wasn't the situation. It's when you start to compare what Winnipeg got for a one-year rental or a possible extension, although Winnipeg didn't throw a conditional pick in there, so we're not sure that there's value to that. Um, When you compare that to other rentals in similar contexts, I don't know if you want to throw Ryan McDonough's name into that situation, maybe Jake Muzzin, maybe other deadline deals in recent times, maybe Kevin Hayes as an example. I don't think that in any one of those cases, a team got as little in return for one-year rental of an excellent player as Winnipeg did for Jacob Truba. And I think that's where the criticism comes in. Neil Pionk would have to take a major, major, major leap forward for it to represent value for the Jets, even as a rental. Because even if we were to compare this trade to the trade that the Devils and Predators just made, where P.K. Subban, basically a salary dump, but still got an NHL caliber defenseman in Santini. They got a decent prospect in Davies and they did get two second round picks and the devils took all 9 million of Subban's contract. It's, I just, I, I think the most concerning part from where I'm sitting, if I'm a jet fan, if I'm putting myself in the, in the shoes of a jet fan, it's not so much that it felt it. It's one thing that it feels like, the Jets didn't get a lot for a guy that should have commanded more just in in terms of being a pure rental, not a guy you're trying to trade to a team for long-term success. Just this guy for one year, I should be able to get X. I think the thing that would concern me most is some of the things Shevel Dayoff said about Neil Pionk. I, because I, it, if you take what he says at face value, he thinks he acquired a top-pairing defenseman in Neil Pionk. I'm not sure if that is a legitimate truth so much as something that you say when a projectable player with big minutes comes your way. You need a talking point. You need to sell it to the fan base. You need to have something to say. I mean, when Joe Morrow came over, who has been a seven or an eight for Winnipeg since he did at the trade deadline in 2018, uh, they still talk about his playoff experience, his savvy, his veteran poise, his puck moving and his speed as well. You have to find something in that. And I think that Neil Pionk is being sold by the Winnipeg Jets management to the Winnipeg Jets fan base right now. At the same time, 
you can look past the charts and past the analytics. And I mean, the analytics are bad. The possession numbers are bad. The zone entry prevention is bad. And you watched it all happen. As I understand it, it was very easy to walk around Pionkawak at Pionk and gain the blue line in New York last season. Those are troubling things. They're also things, if you're looking for a caveat, might have some systemic issues involved. If there's no winger or forward or center back pressure, if there's no F1 back pressuring hard, well, then you got to give up the blue line. If your partner can't defend it on his side, well, maybe you've got to make some accommodations and you got to give up the blue line. Neil Pionk apparently gave up the blue line 79 out of every 80 tries last season, <laughs> and that's fairly abhorrent as a number. Uh, yeah. Um, and, it, <laughs> and that's the concern. It's... It's, do you trust the pro scouts to identify somebody whose mobility and puck skills can thrive in another context? And I, I believe there's something to that, but I just don't think that Pionk is going to find himself in a good enough situation to use those skills to Winnipeg's advantage beyond sort of a third pairing level. And he is not going to get a soft landing spot. He's not necessarily going to get even a Mark Stahl quality uh, partner on his side because Josh Morrissey is likely playing top pairing minutes alongside Dustin Bufflin. And after that, there's not a lot of depth in Winnipeg right now. I got it. I got it. I was about to say maybe the most damning, just not even criticism, but evaluation of Neil Pionk that a Ranger fan could give you from last year is that Mark Stahl looked like a much better defenseman when he wasn't playing with Neil Pionk. When the one of the, it, it, this could tell you all you need to know about how the Rangers were defensively last year, but it's it felt like one of the most successful Ranger pairings of all last year was Stahl D'Angelo. And you don't need to know much about hockey to know that Stahl Pionk, either at even strength or on the penalty kill, was a nightmare. It was nearly a goal a game that they were giving up. It was and you don't need you don't need a chart to tell you that. Stahl Pionk to every <laughs> observer that watched hockey last year was abysmal. I just when honestly when Ryan we were recording the podcast last week when the trade broke. And when Ryan told me the deal happened, I, I did one of those things where I made sure that the New York Rangers Twitter account I was looking at had the blue check mark because it didn't seem like a real package the Rangers were giving up. If you if you want to break it down further, and I'm sure you've done this before. And we had to hang up on Greg's dad. We had Greg's dad on and we had to we, hang up on him. We, we did. We were trying to do a dad cast <laughs> for Father's Day. And I was like, Dad, we got to go. Something <laughs> happened. Uh, but if, if you want to if you want to do even like – the rosiest of glasses. You can say it was 20 plus games of Kevin Hayes and Neil Pionk for Jacob Truba, Brendan Lemieux, and a conditional, I think it's a 2021 fourth round pick. And even, even then, if you expand the deal out to then, it still feels like the Jets aren't getting enough back for Jacob Truba. I tend to agree with that. And I don't think it's necessarily close unless they're pro scouts or geniuses in a way that I don't think is likely based on what the data is in front of us. And I think that's the concern of Winnipeg to sort of, I don't want to say lose two consecutive deals because there are arguments to be made in Kevin Hayes' favor as a rental if you believe that it's an all-in situation. So I'm not going to go back on in and hindsight my way to suggesting that wasn't a worthwhile a process for the Jets to entertain. It's this trade and it's the optics of getting their own pick back in that scenario and, and walking it to the point where you just laid out. It's not a strong series of asset management situations for Kevin Shoveldayoff. And he's so fastidious that when he traded for Paul Stastny at the 2018 deadline, when Winnipeg was just walking teams, five-on-five power play, penalty kill, every single facet of the game was excellent. They made it to the conference finals, and they were deserving to do so. 
Well, he lottery protected the first round pick that Winnipeg sent to St. Louis. And he did the same thing in the Kevin Hayes deal. So the idea that there isn't a conditional piece or, or something else coming back, if Truba is more than a rental, even beyond my subjective assessment of the, of the trade as a rental, it's just not his, it's not good work from Winnipeg. And I don't think it's a good look uh, or I, I don't think it's going to, it's going to help. And I don't think that any of the cap savings or anything else can be weaponized nearly, nearly enough to make up for that situation. So I guess the next logical question is an easy one because I'm not as much as I love piling on this because again, the Rangers ended up with my godson. Where do the Jets go from here? Obviously, Connor and Line are the two big question marks remaining on this offseason. They're the two big question marks that even, I guess, even more so than Truba basically telling management he was leaving after this season. Where, what is next for the Winnipeg Jets? What, what did this deal do to both simplify and complicate their offseason? Well, the simplest possible path forward is just to stand pat. If Winnipeg does that, even with the eighty-one and a half million dollar cap as we know it, um, there is room to keep the players that they have. There's no absolute necessity of a, of a Matthew Pearl contract dump or a Brian Little contract dump if he would waive his no movement clause. Um, there's no necessity to buy out Dmitry Kulikov. The roster as presented, even if you pay Line and Connor big ticket money, as I believe that they deserve based on their offensive level so far. You can make it into the season as a, as a cap team. The issue is if you want to backfill behind with quality defenders. A moment ago, I told you Neil Pionk is not going to get a soft landing. Winnipeg has Josh Morrissey and Dustin Bufflin as top four defensemen, and then a whole host of question marks. You got Nathan Beaulieu. You got a possibility of re-signing Ben Sherratt, um, Sami Niku, Tucker Pullman. The players involved are either unproven at the NHL level, at a top four level, or it's proven that they can't hack it at that top four quality of competition and that they're better suited for the bottom pairing. So if Winnipeg is serious about winning now and competing now, as we all believe that they are and that they should be, well, then it gets awkward. And then you see thoughts of Matthew Pearl, a viable possession player for a deep pick. And, you know, for Winnipeg's sake, it's good that that didn't happen, but it might be something they're still entertaining. You might see a Dmitry Kulikov buyout for cap space, and that's what would make room for a Ben Sherratt signing. Um, you might even, and this is the thing that's sending panic throughout Winnipeg Jetsland right now, you might even look at a value winger like Nick Ehlers at $6 million per season and consider trading him to backfill for defense. And all of a sudden you're robbing Ehlers to pay Pionk. I don't know how that phrase works. It just <laughs> ends up being a series of dominoes and I don't think that any of that ends up in Winnipeg's favor because Ehlers is a value contract for the Winnipeg Jets, and he's someone who gives them a tremendous amount of depth. Yeah, and the, it, it's, not, it's not shocking that you haven't mentioned the name Tyler Myers because the report came out today that there's a possibility Vancouver might be already in a Torelli zone and pay him $8 million a year, something not only the Jets weren't going to do, but I don't think anyone who follows the NHL whether you're a stats person or an eye test person thinks Tyler Myers is necessarily worth $8 million a year. No, absolutely not. Even at the $6 million price, six and a half, seven, that I heard as rumors a little bit earlier in this process, I never thought that a team would get value from Tyler Myers as an unrestricted free agent. He's played third pairing minutes at five on five for Winnipeg. And at five on five, no matter how fast he is and how skilled he looks, He's actually behind at least four defenders, including Ben Schrott, in terms of five-on-five offense. 
he's essentially been a number five or a number six guy throughout his time at even strength at Winnipeg, sometimes propelled as high as number four, depending on the injury situation. He has genuine power play value. He has a little bit of penalty kill value as well. Even at $6 million, though, the argument was that you're not going to get – that's not a value contract. It's not somebody that a, a win-now team like Winnipeg should pursue. And then you start pushing that up to $8 million, and whoever signs that, if it for some reason does happen, needs to immediately hand in and set fire to their complaining about the cap maximum card because that's just inefficient use. He's a quality NHL player, but he's not an $8 million NHL player by any stretch of the imagination in my mind. That's a contract I, I would we, not want to sign also. I'm just going to throw that out. Is, is, uh, is there any way we can interest you in two years? <laughs> How does this go? Well, hold, hold on. This, this, one isn't, this one isn't too crazy. Is Why? there any way the Rangers could interest you in two years at just $3 million a year in Kevin Shattenkirk? Is that not a player that who could find some use, even if he was just a third-pair defenseman for Winnipeg next season? Well, Winnipeg does appear to be collecting them. <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know if that was dry or just a, anyway. I, I, I'm not sure that Winnipeg's in a position to add unless it's giving up so much like that. And, uh, you know, that's a trade that I think that based on what we know could end up as a significant win for, for the Rangers as well, based on recent track history, based on the fact that it's Ehlers' name out in, in the rumors that we've heard so far. I actually think sincerely that Winnipeg's best play would be to stand pat a little bit. Sign Sherrod if they must, depending on the price. Um, except that the defense is going to be a little bit weak this year. We'll find a way to get out of Kulikov's money, perhaps Little's money next year as well, Perot's money not long after that. And as long as there aren't any more albatrosses, it can be a value team again um, within whatever the cap becomes as time moves forward. There's a lot of projection in that, and it accepts a little bit of a step backwards this year. But I think that's where the team is at. And I think that the return for Truba is a major factor in that with Neil Pion. Oh, Neil. You enjoy that. One time he did a real cool thing where he went coast to coast and scored a goal. It was the best thing ever. You'll enjoy that one time. It'll be a great night. Everyone's going nuts over it. But wasn't that a four on four? It was. And also, he's going to score three goals when he plays the Rangers. So you get to look forward to that. It's going to be awesome. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Uh, any other questions, Greg, before we get out of here? Um, I just... Marat, you revealed to me recently on Twitter, I think it was last week, that you actually grew up being an Oilers fan? Uh, fact. Uh, parents discovered hockey in 1980s Edmonton, and who else but Wayne Gretzky and the, co and the boys uh, to, to introduce my family uh, from, to the sport of hockey. So while the team you cover may be in disarray, at least your boyhood favorite team is is doing just fine. Wow, we're we're trying to be nice to the guy. He takes time out of his day to come on this stupid little Ranger podcast. Jesus. Okay, okay, I've got a dinner right away. So uh, <laughs> if, if this is where the talk is going, I think that uh, okay. I'm just gonna thank you for your time, good sirs. Well, before you go, <laughs> plug your stuff as always. Well, as always, you can find me at WPG Marat on Twitter. I claim to be the only Marat in Winnipeg. And as far as I can tell, it's true. That is not a BS claim. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, at The Athletic, I cover the Winnipeg Jets for theathletic.com. And I love doing that as well. So anything Jets-related, including how good Truba is, you can find it there. Okay. Well, make sure you read Marat, and we'll talk to you soon, buddy. You'll probably be on, like, I don't know. We'll probably make a trade next week. You'll be back on. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Look forward to it. Okay. Thanks, guys. Peace out, man. Transition back. And I will now ask all of you to join me 
please open to page 2445 of the Church of Chicago book and let's sing the hymn together. Capo, Caco, you're our Lord and Savior. Transition to the end of the podcast. We're back. Two great interviews in the books, Drew and Murad. Murad is a king. He's a king. He's one hey, of my... We don't deserve him. I think we've said this every time he's come on the podcast. We don't deserve him in our lives. And I love Drew too, but I, talk, I do talk to Drew every day. So, but Murad is... We deserve, we deserve Drew. Little we peek, deserve Drew. Little peek behind the curtain. As we were hanging up, Murad told us he loved us. Wow. I'm crying still a little bit. I know that was personal information, <laughs> but really. Okay. I want to talk about how I didn't go to the draft party. I didn't. Cool. Now that that's over... I want to talk about the wedding real quick. One of my best friends, I was co-best man in his wedding this weekend. I shared best man duties, and we, we probably fried him for that in the best man speech. But I want to talk about the dinner at Joe Biggs' wedding very quickly. Now, at, at dinners at weddings, they usually give you the three options, right? They give you, would you like the steak, the chicken, or the fish, right? That's pretty simple so far. Are you with me, Greg? Okay. I'm with you. All right. They offered a fourth option. That fourth option. Chicken tenders and fries. Now, I'm a little, I'm at a wedding. I mean, you know, I don't need to say anything else. So I, we all, we all order. And my friend Dean, who I roomed with, uh, immediately goes, Ooh, can we get some chicken tenders for the table? And then realizes how rude he's being. And is just like, calms down a little bit. It's whatever. And we go around the table and I'm like kind of last to order. And I go, listen, I know he said the chicken tenders thing is table is kind of like a joke. Can we seriously make that happen? Can we get chicken tenders for this table? And the lady's like, sure, that's fine, whatever. So dinner comes, it's very fancy. It's like steak, like this amazing fried potato, asparagus, etc. Cool. No chicken tenders. So there earlier in the wedding, the music fucked up, and I had to play like emergency DJ and get my Google Play music to get the mu- music for the wedding. And I was working with one of the caterers. And I went over to the caterer lady who came over to help serve the dinner to us, and I was like, hey man. Listen, or hey, lady, sorry. Whatever she, you know, pronouns, 2019. I was like, like, I'm kind of the best man, and I don't want to pull this card, but, like, could we get chicken tenders for this table here? I think it would be really great if we could get it. Like, just as, like, an appetizer. I know you guys are busy. And she goes, oh, the chef is going to kill me. It's going to be a while, but I'll do it. And I was like, well, you know, you owe me one a little bit. I helped. Kind of, I'm joking. Like, I'm joking around, right? If she, if she would have said no, it would have been an issue. Here's why I'm telling you this story, Greg. And here's why I had to give you this very boring setup. The chicken... You, you, ended up, you ended up hooking up with her in a closet, didn't you? No. Way worse. The oh, chi- the worse? I think so. The chicken, oh, no. the chicken tenders come out immediately. They are hot as hell. And they're tasty. We split them up through the whole table. We cut them up and eat the fried chicken tenders. We cheers with tenders to Big and Liz's wedding. And it, we all have it. Now Liz, the bride, is sitting down. And sees us eating tendies. And she's like, I want some tenders too. I'm the bride. And I'm like, girl, I got your back. I'm going to get tenders for you. So I go walking towards said lady who got me the tenders. And I notice I'm looking at a table. And there's eight people at the table. And Gregory, only seven of them are eating. And one of them is a small child. You saw a small child's (laughs) tenders. So... (laughs) So, one of my friends is at, sitting at the table, Steph, and Steph goes, Ryan, are you really going to take more food out of children's mouths? And I go, Steph, what do you mean? She goes, the lady took his food and gave it to you at your table. 
<laughs> I was like, what? So his dad starts yelling at me. And he's like, you took food out of my child's mouth. Because you requested tenders for you to split at your table. And now my child has to wait an extra 20 minutes to get his dinner. And the lady came over and told us it was because the best man requested it. And they had to take it from him. I stole chicken tenders from a kid at a wedding. And I feel very bad about it. And I cried very hard. Well, one, you should feel fucking terrible. If about she would have told me that it was taking her from a kid to have yeah, appetizer chicken tenders, I would have said no. Again, I'm not here to defend you. Right. Because I think you get everything you deserve right. in life. Yep. All the time. Yes. Um, at the same time, she needed to realize that maybe, just maybe, don't take food from the fucking child. Maybe, maybe don't do that, huh? Maybe there's like, maybe he was a 13 year old kid, but still, like, don't take chicken tenders from this fucking kid. That's fucked oh, up. Oh, he's 13? Yeah. Wait, he's 13? He's 13. Oh, fuck the kid then. He's like 12 or 13. Fine. He's still old enough to be a man in the Jewish religion. So okay. fuck him. He's okay. a man. He can go get his own food. If he really wants chicken tenders, <laughs> go kill the fucking chicken yourself. Oh, second, my God. Uh, second, fuck the father for coming down on you so hard for the 12 or 13 year old. Not a 12 or 13 year old. Order something. Order something real. Right? Yeah. It's not a good look for a 13-year-old to order fucking chicken tenders. At that point, you know how to use a fork and a fucking knife. Order a fucking I steak. I can't believe this kid's getting right? flamed right now. What? Wow. Yeah, o he should be. Fire. I hope he listens to this. Over He's, the I, fire. Third. I have a third point. I have okay. a third point. I'm what ready. the fuck is Joe Banks doing inviting a 13-year-old to a wedding and it's not a, me? It's his how about that? It's his Let's cousin. <laughs> I don't give a shit. What am I, Chuck Liver? Yeah. I traded him fucking Giancarlo Stanton and Miguel Cabrera. No, I traded him Miguel Cabrera in fantasy baseball. Yeah, does that not make us family? No, it's like, what not. the fuck is Joe Biggs doing? It does not. Um, what that, the fuck is he doing? That is now funny. I'm I'm offended that this little twerp piece of shit rat face bitch 13-year-old oh was invited <laughs> to the wedding and not me. Well, I'm glad he didn't get those chicken fingers and I ate them and they were delicious. And okay. the the answer to everyone's question is, well, Greg, all right, you're acting a little harshly to this. First of all, this is why I'm the bishop of ranting. Second, <laughs> how old would the kid have been for me to what what's the what's seven the cutoff? Eight, like at, at what age it's if he's 10 or younger, yeah. I feel bad. Yeah. I but as so. soon as you hit, as soon as you start preparing for your bar mitzvah, you're an adult, order real food. Don't, don't, I would, I would be mortified at 12 or 13 years old if my dad felt the need to stand up for the fact that I was eating fucking chicken fingers at a wedding. I bet you that kid didn't dance once the entire night. Uh, he did. And I also got, uh, I got to say the, the phrase mango cum latte in my best man speech, which I was very proud of. Okay, um, let's move on to five-star questions. I, <laughs> uh, our, our friend Vinny, who was also at the Joe Banks wedding. Yes. Again, instead of me. Again, fucked up. Okay. Anyway. Vinny is like uh, very close to this. Big, big, big Orlando Magic fan. Mm -hmm. And they drafted a guy from, I think, Auburn called Chuma Okiki. Yes. So naturally, I, I immediately texted Vinny. I was like, congratulations, you drafted a guy named uh, Kama on Mimi. <laughs> and he left. He left, we're, from what I'm told. We're children. Okay. Uh, five-star questions. If you want to leave a five-star question, you know how to do it. Don't, don't look at me like you don't. Go to iTunes, search Blue Shirts Breakaway or New York Rangers or Blue Shirts. We're the first result, baby. Don't you think we're not? And then leave a five-star review. We'll answer the question on the podcast. First five-star question from Pops96. Is this real life? Pionk in their own first for Truba? Thank you for talking this into existence. But this is highway robbery. What other miracles can we expect from Gordon? P.S. Rangers 
Best Rangers podcast bar none. Keep up the good work. Uh, the thing that was floating around and I think is still very possible is the the Oilers have said they'll trade Poyarvi for a, a third line forward and the ring, the Rangers have those in spade. If the Rangers were able to somehow turn Jimmy VC into Jesse Poyarvi, I would do a cartwheel. That's just incredible. Uh, anything of value for VC at this point, I'd consider just great work. And, um, I think, I think that would be the one because I think this is the time we need to talk about Larry Brooks a little bit. Oh, and like sort of, I, sort of, you want to wait, say that to the end or you want to just do it now? I think, I think we do it now because it's in relation to, because I, I would have said if the Rangers were able to trade Chris Kreider for the sixth or seventh pick overall in the draft, that would be some wizardry. Cider, I number Brooks six, by the way. Uh, my boy, big Moritz Cider guy. But I just, I just, th- I just think Brooks has lost his fastball more so than usual. I think it's, I think the Truba news has rattled him to a point where he's lost his mind. It looks like he's just making stories up now a little bit in a way that I'm kind of like, do I believe this? Because the downgrade from the Truba, the Truba trade that we convinced ourselves to do, which was a very, a lot more than what we traded to what actually happened. Like is, is it has to have him shook just a little bit, right? You can't just put those things out and then, Neil Pionk goes, who you didn't even mention. You got you have to have egg on your face in some facet. Yeah, and just consider the things he's put out there into the universe since then. He said he said today alone that uh, Taylor Hall is better than Artemi Panarin, which is outrageous. He suggested the Rangers might want to trade Henrik Lundqvist to the San Jose Sharks, which is outrageous. He suggested Chris Kreider, who's on the last year of his unrestricted free agent deal, could net a top 10 pick in the draft, which is outrageous. There's no he, way. He's, he's, I think he's, uh, do you know the value, decayed. the value of a top 10 pick is like astronomical to get, but more- not just that. It's just, if you're trading a top 10 pick, you're not doing it for a rental. You're not getting Chris Kreider hoping to extend him for the sixth overall pick. If you're the Detroit fucking Red Wings. What are you? What are you smoking? What yeah. are you doing? It's true. All right. Uh, next five star question by Death yeah. Death Toll zero zero zero. Hey guys, big fan of the pod for a little over a year. The Momcast is still all time. It's probably our second best podcast now after last week. After this yes, week, I would agree. After this week's blockbuster trade, and in case you're wondering if you're new to the podcast, episode one thirty, we have our moms on. It's really essential Blue Shirts breakaway listening if you're new. After this week's blockbuster trade and putting recency bias aside, what do you think Gorton's best move as a, as the New York Rangers GM has been? The Zib deal, Truba, or something else? Thanks thanks for what you do. Best Rangers cast out there. And, of course, praise be to our savior, Capo Caco. Praise be to you. Death toll. Zero, 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 zero. Um, for me, personally, I still have to go with the Zabinajad trade because not only did he get Zabinajad, but he got a pick back. That's unbelievable. Like, yeah, the Truba trade not is... Just, not just any pick, though, but a second-round pick. Yeah, not and not that the Truba trade isn't... It's it's close, but from what Sabinajad has become and for getting the draft pick back, it's still the best move he's made. Truba is a close second for me. I don't think there's another move that are even close to those two, though. No, I do think it's... Because it's not just the Sabinajad trade. It's then the Sabinajad extension as well, yes. which is extremely digestible any way you slice it. 
Um, it's hard to rate the Truba trade because we still need to see what the extension is like. Again, there are no scenarios where this is a bad trade because say for some crazy reason the Rangers aren't able to extend Truba. I am convinced Gorton can get more, more in return in a Truba trade yeah, lock it up. than what the did. Um, outside of that, yeah, it, it's honestly Gorton, he's done a ton, but none of it necessarily flashy. I think I don't think he could have done any better than he did in the Rick Nash deal. But he did, I also, he did it very I, well I, in the Rick Nash deal, like incredibly well. Uh, he did. He turned Nick Holden into Joey Keene, which is great. Do that every um, day of the week. He basically acquired Adam McQuaid for nothing when you think about it, because he immediately got back the fourth and seventh round pick he gave up for him. Uh, I think in hindsight, you have to, you have to like the McDonough trade, but I understand it if you don't love it. Um, He somehow understood he made the wrong move with Ryan Spooner and immediately got himself out from that contract, which you have to also respect. He, the Elaine Vino extension still looks dumb, but that he was at tough. least able to get out from under it. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to go through every move. Here. Honestly, the pieces, no, but the pieces given up for Keith Yandel, not the end of the world. It's just the Rangers kind of botched that landing. Yeah, that's a big botch for me. Um, well, next question. Five but yeah, no, the, long, long, the long of it, the long of it is it's Mika with the potential to be Truba. Rangers fan 124 asks, hey guys, Anthony here. What's up, Anthony? Wondering what your thoughts are on dropping some of the Rangers' young talent onto the Hartford first line. Could Howden or Elias or Kravstov be there? The Rangers are already expected to miss uh, to or expected to play one, if not two, of their young centers on wing. Could it be better to stack in the AHL and build a winning culture with everyone around from bottom to top? If not, those players, then maybe some maybe same some others on the same premise. So pretty much, should we send down some elite players to get uh, some reps in the AHL and have build a winning culture in Hartford? Uh, one, I, I I think it's obvious that Davidson is prioritizing uh, Hartford's reimagining because they're taking their time making the moves down there, which is good. And Davidson has multiple times said, in order to fuel a long-term successful franchise, you have to build from the bottom up. And in this case, that means having good structure in place, both the ECHL and the AHL. Would it... I. It, is it beneficial for Leas Anderson or Brett Howden's development to start the season in Hartford? Possibly. I, I don't think it would be a failure for Leas to start the year in Hartford, especially if he's playing in a revamped system like he wasn't playing in I last have, year. I have a feeling Leas uh, will be I, starting this year in Hartford, but that's just me. Well, I, I don't know about that because right now the Rangers don't know what they're going to do at center on their second and third line. The only guarantee the Rangers have in my mind is that Zabinijad's going to send to the top line. Yep. Heedle and Howden are both going to be on the opening night roster. Um, and I, I would say that's – I don't think – the Rangers are not going to have Bunieves be the reason why Leas Anderson starts the year in Hartford, right? If Leas wows people in training camp, he's going to get – I don't think he'll – I don't think he'll break camp on the fourth line like he did last year. I think he'll break camp possibly on the third line. And I think Howden might be the guy that gets fourth line minutes. I don't think there's a scenario where Howden doesn't open the season in New York. 
Um, he had periods where he struggled last year, and the Rangers were adamant about keeping him in New York. So I, I don't see them one year later saying, you know what, I think Brett Howden now needs time in Hartford. Um, but I, I, I don't think – I think the Rangers are going to make some smart uh, AHL – free agent signings this year. I, I don't think it's just going to be Peter Holland and Cole Schneider. Yeah. I have a feeling they'll be uh, not, not to say those guys were bad. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think it needs to be one of Howden or Leas centering the top line in Hartford for it to be revamped. I think the Rangers are just going to be much smarter about who they have playing where down in Hartford. And I think that's going to be leaps and bounds better than what we saw last year. Last five-star question. Buyouts from TCNY. Or TCENY, sorry. Hello, boys. Why would Shaddy be the odd man out? I'd rather buy out Stahl with Smith and keep Shaddy. He's by far the better defenseman of the three. If you trade Shaddy, would you most likely have to uh, take some of his cap hit? I mean, yes, that's probably what's been happening, right? So why not just buy out, the, uh, buy out one of those two? Thanks. P.S. Ryan's Father's Day video couldn't have been better. Thank you so much. My dad is gone. And he never paid child support. Uh, well, Stahl's been answered. The Rangers clearly value something they in him, want him that there. goes beyond the ice. Yes. They they want that kind of guy in their locker room, which is so be it. I think we just have to accept it at this point. And look, we saw it in bursts last year that if used properly, Mark Stahl can be fine. I think fine is the nicest thing we could say about him at this point. Yeah, that's nice. Um, a Brandon Smith buyout has always made sense. If the Rangers want to buy out a defenseman, uh, it's two years left on his deal. It's not great. He's clearly an odd man out in terms of what the Rangers want to do long-term defensively. I, I, I'm still intrigued by the role the Rangers carved out for him last year. It was different. It was unique. It was fun seeing him thrive as a utility player, basically. But I understand that if you're if you're looking to open up space, Brendan Smith's an easy one. We've never understood the Shattenkirk buyout. It doesn't make any sense in terms of a financial move because the Rangers don't actually, yeah, they they don't save a lot of money financially. So you're not doing yourself any favors there in terms of straight up cap hit. And we've seen what defensemen are going for on the open market. You can't tell me that if the Rangers offer a team, Kevin Shattenkirk at 50% retained, they wouldn't want that for two years overpaying Tyler Myers, $8 million. That doesn't make any sense. No, it does not. I, I, I would I would not buy Kevin Shattenkirk out right now because not every team is going to sign a defenseman that they like. And I refuse to believe that an NHL team out there would not take Kevin Shattenkirk at around three and a half million dollars. I he he can be at Neil Pionk is gonna be that next year. God Kevin I miss, Shattenkirk I miss is him already, already better. <laughs> Shattenkirk's already better than Pionk, but he will be no worse than Neil Pionk. So who wouldn't just want that two-year deal? It just it it confuses me the talk of the Rangers buying him out, and it confuses me even more the people, including Larry Brooks and including our friend Rick Carpinello, who think buying out Shattenkirk is a smart move. It just it just isn't. There there isn't there isn't a a way you can look at that move and say to yourself, no, no, this actually makes sense. It doesn't exist. All that said, those are all the five star questions for the week. I want to thank everybody, new listeners, old listeners, listeners, listeners. For joining us this week for our weekly sermons at the Church of Chicago and also our episode of Blue Shirts Breakaway. As always, leave five-star questions on iTunes. 
Uh, hit us up on Twitter. I am Orion Mead. I am the Capope of Church of Kako, the Archbishop of Ranting. Gregory Kaplan runs our main account at Blue Shirts Break. He tweets about the Mets, Capo, Praise Be, and other stuff. And I, 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 I got, I got something to say about that. The Mets. Uh, I'm done. Yeah, I'm done. You're done. I'm out. It's over. I'm, not, I'm out. Okay. It, it temper for now. Yeah. Uh, it, I've, it's, I've definitely been tweeting about them less. You have been. I, 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 I know. I noticed. It's been noticeable. But it's 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 just too fucking depressing, man. I got I gotta tell you, I, I I had a moment yesterday in my just days and hangover. And, where, if, and if you want to hear this ten minute rant that Greg's about to go on, yeah, you can you're subscribe right. right now to our Patreon, where we'll be revamping our bonuses this week and making an announcement probably at the end of this week. Uh, one of our goals, like I said, will be a live mass outside of MSG for the opening night game that I will be attending at any price. And. You can subscribe to get stickers, T-shirts, Cup of Cocos T-shirt. It's coming. Cup of Caco. It's coming. And uh, other things coming to your way soon and uh, some new revamps, bonus episodes, and 10-minute extras. Go to patreon.com slash Sorry. Patreon.com slash today to subscribe. All right. We're out till next week. If you want to hear that rant, you know where to go. Peace out, guys. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.